Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you're doing well today. Um, We're actually going to be talking about you today. This is kind of the main topic for today is, are you losing yourself while parenting a child with anxiety or OCD? It is a very, very easy thing to do. And I'm going to talk about different ways we can lose ourselves and how to get ourselves back. (laughs) I know it sounds so weird, but it is really important because it's a long journey raising a child with anxiety or OCD, and it goes on and on and on, and there'll be ups and there'll be downs. But if you lose yourself and the fabric of who you are, eventually it'll be really hard to retrieve that. And you'll be kind of a shell of a person. (laughs) I guess that sounds really, really dark, but it's true. But I mean, the positive spin on this is it doesn't have to be that way. And there are ways to prevent that or to get yourself back. But we don't want to be a shell of a person because we are um, so immersed in our child's anxiety or OCD that we have lost ourselves. We're going to talk all about that, what it looks like, how to be a caring parent while still finding yourself and keeping yourself. Uh, before we get started, though, I have a couple of announcements. One, I want to thank NoCD because NoCD sponsors this episode and they offer affordable, effective, convenient therapy, and they're available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S., so globally check them out. And you can schedule your free 15-minute consultation to even just see if NoCD is a right fit for you and your child. You can go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. Check them out. See if they're in your area um, and get that free consultation. It's worth it. Uh, Also, speaking of you, my self-care series is starting in a few weeks. I do this uh, self-care series for parents raising kids with anxiety or OCD. I do it twice a year. And honestly, there are people that sign up for my free series every single time I do it. (laughs) And I can see that because, you know, they've got a little tag in, in their email, like how many times they've signed up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they've signed up for my series every single time for like the last four or five years. And the reason why people do that, one, it makes me feel good that it's that good that people want to keep taking it over and over again. But two, it is a tune up. I really see both. I do two series twice a year. So I have four free series, but there are two of them, survival tools and self-care. And the one coming up is self-care and people take it every time because it is a reboot. It's a reset and it's a reminder of self-care. And we, we really dive much deeper versus surface level stuff. Like, you know, eat some chocolate, watch Netflix, take care of yourself. (laughs) Um, there's, that's always helpful. But when I talk about self-care, I talk about like mindset shifts. I talk about how to read cues in your body, like how to notice your own triggers when your child's having issues, how to know who's helpful and who's not helpful in your support system, some really meaty stuff. And I think that's why people retake this free series each time because it's a good reminder I think to recenter yourself. And I love that it, I I do one of them in January because I think everybody in January is like, you know, new year, new me. <laughs> and it's kind of a nice thing to have out there that offers a really more meaty in-depth way to approach the new year. So sign up for free and join us. It is at atparentingsurvivalseries.com. 
Okay, let's talk about losing yourself. So I know for a lot of us, this can happen slowly over time, especially if you're in crisis mode or um, if you're just consumed with your child. I've seen people lose themselves in parenting outside of anxiety and OCD. You know, I think in the past we would have negative names for them, like a helicopter parent or, you know, I don't know what other names we have for it, but there are people who lose themselves in parenting for all sorts of understanding reasons. And so I just want to touch on that first. And then there are parents that maybe are not inclined to lose themselves in parenting, but when they have a child with anxiety or OCD or any other medical issue, it's very, very easy to lose yourself in any relative that is having a medical or mental health crisis or struggle. It's an easy thing to do. In fact, I think it's easier to lose yourself than to not lose yourself. It takes concerted effort to purposely not lose yourself in the struggle of someone else that you love. And so this is universal. This could be, you know, a partner who's struggling. It could be a relative who's struggling. It could be someone that you love who's terminally ill. And so it's very easy when someone else is having a crisis or you have someone who has a chronic medical or mental health condition, it can be draining and you can devote all your time to wanting to, you know, swoop that person up and rescue them that you forget about yourself and, or you feel like it's selfish. When I do my self-care series, I have people ask, answer a question to get into our pop-up Facebook group. And so the series itself is not on Facebook. There is a series website and everything's uploaded to the series website but I do create like a bonus pop-up temporary Facebook group so that people can talk about it and I can pop in there. And, and so in order to get in there, you have to answer a question partly because it helps me screen out some like spammy bots that want to get into these groups, but also I read all of them and they're very helpful. And I ask people in this particular series, what's the hardest part about self-care for you? And it honestly breaks my heart every time I read the answers because a lot of times parents will say, I feel selfish. I feel selfish. And, or, you know, it's not about me. It's about my child and I can't, I don't have time to focus on me. Uh, but the selfish one really hurts my heart because I feel like on some level as parents and especially as mothers, we're culturally taught that it's selfish to take care of ourselves and that we need to put everybody else's needs before our own. And honestly, it is kind of the whole, like, you know, put your own oxygen mask on first philosophy. It doesn't make any sense because if we are exerting all this energy outputting to other people to help, 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 you know, doing all the things that we need to do. And none of that energy goes back to us. Eventually we will be tapped out. And this is what I talk about in the self-care series. Eventually, if you're not listening to your brain, your body will shout at you. Your body will shut you down. Like there are emergency stops (laughs) in our body. And at first it starts with our head. And if our brain's not listening, the body will override everything and just say, shut it all down. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh, but it's kind of funny, you know, and it will, we will get sick. We could get chronically sick. We can get stress conditions that get exacerbated with stress. Eventually our body will shut down and then we are having chronic or dire health issues. And then we really can't be there for the people that we love. And so that's just one aspect of losing yourself. We're going to talk about lots of different aspects, but 
you know, we're going to talk about health. That is one aspect, but it, it doesn't start there. So the way that it can look so that we can get a little snapshot. Well, what does it look like if I'm losing myself with a child with anxiety or OCD? Or how do I know if I'm losing myself? I don't know. I don't think I am. Or maybe you are like, oh, 100%. But I, I, I don't know what else to do. I mean, I can't afford to not focus on my kids. And the message for this episode is not to stop focusing on your kids. It's to also pay attention to yourself. That That is the message. And I think that we have this idea in our head that says, we're not a good parent if we're not giving 150% and and we're selfish if we pause that at any time to take care of ourselves. So let's talk about what this could look like. It might look like you are researching and absorbing and learning things about anxiety or OCD all the time. All your free time is consumed with listening to podcasts. Not that I want you to stop listening to my podcast, but you know, is that all you're listening to Our anxiety and OCD podcasts and all you're watching and all you're reading and all you're talking about to everybody else, anxiety, OCD, anxiety, OCD. I mean, I feel like I do that, but it's my, it's also my profession. Um, and that's not healthy either. I have had to learn to step away from anxiety and OCD. I didn't have any hobbies. I didn't have anything else. And it's a bit of a different conversation for me because it's my career. It's my passion. It's, you know, I struggle with anxiety. My kids have anxiety and OCD. And so it's like so ubiquitous in my, in my life. Cause it's, it's my profession, my career and my household and myself. <laughs> this is a lot, but I needed to separate myself. I didn't want to only be defined for anxiety and OCD. I didn't want that to be everything I consumed. And it was everything I read. Um, and when my husband died, I realized I needed to balance myself more. And so we'll talk about that in the second half of this podcast, like different ways to find yourself again outside of anxiety and OCD. So if that's all you're consuming, that's one way to notice that you're losing yourself. If you don't even know who you are anymore, uh, what do you like? What are your interests? When's the last time you did something that was purely or solely for you or lit you up? Um, Do you mirror your child's anxiety or OCD stress. Like they're stressed and you're equally stressed in your body because you are so consumed with their physical, mental state, sometimes physical state, you know, sometimes it can impact them that way too, that you're not doing well. How, how do you know you're not doing well? You're not eating. You're not sleeping. You know, your cortisol levels are high. You're feeling the stress in whatever way your body is warning you that you're stressed. And so you and your child have become one with their struggle and not you, the anchor and them, the child with anxiety or OCD. And that's ultimately where we want to get to, but we never really arrive. <laughs> we never really like get to a place and then we're like, we're good. Okay. I'm good. You can develop processes and habits and routines and mindset shifts that, that help you on a daily basis but I do feel like it is a daily practice. Like so many other things, it's a daily practice that we get to work on every day, that we get to ask ourselves every day, have I forgotten about me? Um, What do I need in this moment? What do I want in this moment? Am I feeling imbalanced? Am I trying harder than my child is with anxiety or OCD? These all have to do with losing ourselves. So, you know, is your mind consumed with your child's mental health 24 seven. 
That's really hard. I do have an episode on lovingly detaching. Let me find out what episode number that is. Hold on a second. All right. Um, I paused. So it looked like that took me no time at all. Um, if you go to my website at atparentingsurvival.com or natashadaniels.com, it goes to the same place. There's always a search button at the bottom of my website that you can type in any keyword and you'll find the topic. And literally there is probably something on every single topic related to anxiety or OCD. So if I ever mention a podcast and I forget to like tell you the number or you can't find it in Apple or Google play, just go to my website. You can actually listen to the podcast episode on my website. And so this is episode 249, how to lovingly detach from our kids, anxiety or OCD. Check that one out because I talk about how, you know, lovingly detach. It's not about, um, not being present for our kids. Sometimes people, especially like if they're way into like, um, attachment parenting or, I don't know, gentle parenting, they hear the word lovingly detach and to them, that's like a four letter word. They're like, what? Detaching is not a healthy thing, but you can be present and anchored while being lovingly detached. And so I, I go much more into that in that episode. If you go to my website, um, at natashadaniels.com, it's probably the easiest way to find it. Cause you'll remember it. Um, when I type in lovingly detached, it didn't pop up for some reason. So I had to type in lovingly detach. So that's too bad. I guess my search function is very specific, but you can check that out. But I think that our mindset, if our mindset is 24 seven, like I was talking about before, and we're not able to, to separate out and have a reprieve at any time, then we get as fried as our kids and we're not helpful if we're fried. And so I think sometimes there is this it could depend on your childhood. It could depend on your baggage or your issues or what things have happened to you, how, what you view as a good parent, quote unquote, good. Right. And so some parents feel like if I'm not suffering with them, then I'm a bad parent. I can't be okay. If they're not okay, that's something wrong with me. And actually it's the whole lifeguard thing. Like we're not going to jump in to the pool when someone is drowning and go try to save them and then be pulled down as well as they're flailing. A good lifeguard stays out of the water or brings a floating device with them. So they're not going to get sunk, sunk. (laughs) They're not going to, they're not going to drown. And we have to kind of do the same thing with, uh, anxiety and OCD is we have to anchor ourselves. And so, no, you, you bobbing up and down, losing, losing yourself as well is, is unproductive, not helpful. And, and, it's not the status of being a good parent. It's nice for us to understand and validate our kids' struggles, but we also want to separate out their struggles from, from us. And that's a hard thing to do. And we are going to talk about that after the break, some steps to take to really try to separate yourself out. But I want to just kind of go into some other areas where we lose ourselves. So we talk about physically, like we forget to eat or sleep, right? Emotionally, we're consumed with the thoughts of our kids and their struggles. Even when they're in school or they're doing other things, we're still stuck in ruminating over their whatever anxiety or OCD theme they have going on. Another thing is we don't have any interests. If you say, what are your interests? You don't really have any anymore. Or maybe you're losing them. Maybe you were really into photography, or maybe you're really into cooking, or maybe you were really into like crocheting, or maybe you're really into horseback riding. I have no idea. 
but you don't do that anymore because maybe you think I don't have time or I don't have the money because therapy is really expensive or life is really expensive. Um, or I feel bad doing something that's interesting when my child's not doing well. So ask yourself, are there things that I'm interested in that I don't do anymore because I've been in survival mode? Or do you not have any interest and maybe you never had any interest? <laughs> that's kind of me, which is really sad. But my interest has always been my work um, and my kids. You know, th- those were like the two things. And so when I, when I was making my private practice, it was all about, you know, anxiety and OCD and my practice. And then when I did the, my online work, it was all about that. And so I would do that kind of stuff until two or three in the morning. So my interest, my hobby was my work which was related to anxiety or OCD. And then when things kind of slowed down, when I uh, had more time and my practice hours were cut, I was like a Pinterest mom. It was all about like, what things can I do for my kids? You know, crafts and special themed bathtub parties, like all sorts of crazy stuff. But I didn't have any interests that were solely mine. And then when my kids were having anxiety and OCD issues, it would be like, okay, my work issues and then their issues. And so I didn't have any interest. So lately I've had to create some and we'll talk about all those steps after the break. But so interest is another thing. The next one is your relationships. Have you, have you lost relationships, which is about yourself that are outside of your child? Has your, if you have a partner, has your relationship with your partner kind of started to crumble because all your focus is on your child's anxiety or OCD, or maybe you guys disagree on how to approach it. And so it's created a rift between you. Or did you have friends that you no longer reach out to and they don't reach out to you anymore because you're always stressed or you're not available or you feel like they don't get it. And so you don't want to be friends with them. And the last one, but certainly not, you know, this isn't like a, an exhaustive list is your health and your diet you know, have you given up taking care of yourself in whatever that way that looks for you because you don't have time or you're too stressed. And so you're overeating or undereating, or you can't exercise because you're too exhausted. And so you're, you're not being healthy. So that's that's a little summary of all the ways that we can lose ourselves physically, emotionally, with our interests, with our relationships, with our health, with our diet, it all impacts us. Are you lost? (laughs) I know a lot of times I am lost and I see so many parents that don't have a self without their kids. And like I said before, some with kids with anxiety and OCD and some without, right? They really like live vicariously through their kids. And that's a totally separate issue, but you might be, you know, struggling with both. I mean, I've worked with parents where the child's grades are like a reflection on their parenting. That's how they see it. And their child's, you know, extracurriculars are an extension of, of them. Like their success in soccer is their success or their success in volleyball or dance. Um, whatever your child's into is a reflection on them. And they get so into it that they become equally, if not overly involved in all of those activities and their identity is wrapped into their child. So their friends are the other soccer moms and dads, or their friends are, the other people that play volleyball or the other people that are on the swim team or the volleyball team and all the things that they do for fun are going to practices and traveling. So that's just like another aspect of like your identity is wrapped into your child. So it's not just for those of us that are raising kids with anxiety or OCD. I think it can be magnified if your identity already is wrapped up with your child so tightly 
that all your friends, all your interests are related to your child's interests and your child's friends. There's a danger in that because that you don't have an identity separate from your child. And that can actually feel really suffocating for a kid. And so when we own our kids' problems with anxiety or OCD, or even just in general, we own our kids, that we own their life. Like their life is our life. Their activities are our activities. Um, and then you sprinkle in anxiety and OCD on top of that. And whoa, that's a, that's a nightmare. You lose yourself. And it, it is actually really not helpful for your child because they start to feel uh, claustrophobic. They start to feel overwhelmed and they start to feel like the expectations of, for, that you have on them is so high. Even if you're not saying it, even if you're not doing anything, just the idea that they, kids are very intuitive. And if they realize that their identity and your identity are so enmeshed that they're going to disappoint you or they're going to upset you, or they're going to be able to read your body language and know that you're disappointed or you're frustrated equally with their loss or their struggle as you are for them, they're going to, they're going to feel an added layer of stress. And that's, that's really not the ultimate goal. We want our kids to be independent. We want them to own their issues. We want them to have their own identity and we want them to be a successful adult that is intrinsically motivated and independent. And how do we get them there? If we are literally side by side going through everything together and there's no separation. We'll talk about it. Stay tuned. After the break, we're going to go into some concrete ways that you can find yourself again so you don't lose yourself or prevent yourself from losing yourself and in return, help your children. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's time we put help directly in our kids' hands. Introducing Crushing OCD Course for Kids and Teens. It was way more helpful than all the other therapy we've ever done because we didn't really know what to do. So we weren't really doing it before. So the course helped to figure out what the exposures are and how to do them. We're not in therapy and find it really hard um, to find an ERP trained therapist here. Um, so we're currently with like the public health service, but again, they don't seem to be trained in ERP. It's filled that gap that we don't have that was desperately needed. This was really well timed for us to use between therapists and to help us like start get off to a good start with this new practice. It was easy to use. Um, I was able to do it from my phone or also on the computer. There's different ages, you know, so there were younger kids, there were teenagers. And um, so that was really nice too, to have a variety of ages where it wasn't just geared towards younger kids or older kids. It was a nice variety. It's helpful for our kids to hear it from this like third party as opposed to just us saying it. I really like the offense and defense method. I love working on poking at OCD while it's sleeping. It makes it a little bit easier to do and it's kind of fun. <laughs> I'm planning on using it to work on my uh, fear of like holding your touching batteries and stuff like that. So it was really helpful and I think a lot of other kids would like it. I thought that I was like the only one who had worrying about the weather and stuff. And then there was somebody else on there who worried about the same thing, which was really helpful. Seems less scary to work on stuff now that I've watched this class and I'm more interested to work on it. I like trying to do more exposures still and going to, before I wasn't, I just didn't want to do them. I've worked on some of my bigger compulsions and been successful. I realized that it was helpful to do like the exposures before it was like really, really hard. It's still hard, but 
it's helpful to know that I need to do them. Before there would be a lot of battles about it, so it is definitely less loggerheads. Really, really good course and super helpful. Definitely would recommend this. It's really easy to follow. It's in nice bite-sized videos. I really like the worksheets that go along with it, and I think it's really helpful. To learn more about this course and register your child or teen, go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. Welcome back. In the beginning part of the podcast, we talked about the, the signs and clues that you might be losing yourself or you've already lost yourself with your, with, while parenting your child with anxiety or CD. Or we actually talked a lot about just parenting in general. But I want to spend the second half talking about how, how do you find yourself again? And so the first step is actually just observation. I'm always about the first step being observation because we're not going to jump into fixing or changing things until we know what exactly is going on. So pay attention, maybe spend the next 48 hours paying attention. And what you're going to pay attention to is your thoughts. What kind of thoughts do I have? What kind of thoughts are consuming me? This is what we really focus on in it's the first video of the self-care series that you can sign up for for free at atparentingsurvivalseries.com. Um, we go into your, your thoughts. I think I'm pretty sure that's the first video. You'd think I'd know already because I've done it for so long, but um, pay attention to your thoughts. Are they all about your child? If you want, write them down when you start to notice them. Oh, I'm thinking about this again. Oh, I'm thinking about that. You know, get some data on what consumes your thoughts. You might not need data. You might be like, oh, I know what I think about all the day, all time, all the time, Natasha. It's, it's pretty obvious, but you want to figure out what those thoughts are. Is there anxiety or OCD behind that? Not necessarily OCD. I don't know why I said that, but is there stress around that? And what, what's the theme? Are they, are you what ifing to death? A lot of us, what if to death, right? What if this happens? What if they can't do this? What if that I'm not doing enough? I should be doing this. We have to try this right? So pay attention to that because the first step is revamping your mindset and recognizing that you have a goal and you're going to focus on that one goal. And so it's really helpful. And I teach this in the self-care series to get one goal, focus on one goal. And that's your goal. Actually, I might teach that in the survival series too, but we're only going to focus on that one goal. And so I know what my job is and what is your job as a parent, right? What is your job and what is not your job? And so that becomes muddy, but ultimately our job as parents to kids with anxiety or OCD is to educate ourselves. If you're not educated, you're not gonna be able to help your kid. That's a lot of what I do. All my courses, they started off just being parent courses and I created a course for kids with OCD, but really I wanted to teach parents directly because I feel like if you don't know how to spot OCD, how to address core fears, how to do exposures, how to understand themes, how to not grow it, how to not be the OCD or anxiety police, right? If you don't know those things in general, you're not gonna be able to help your child. So um, that's why I created all my courses, but that's your goal is knowledge, right? Do, can I spot new OCD themes? Because OCD can look so different my child could have like symmetry issues and then all of a sudden they're having contamination issues and they have got moral, moral issues. It will change. Will I catch it? Because I know so much that I'll understand and recognize that, oh, this is OCD as well. 
right? So that is our job, education. So take one of my courses at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. I will educate you in less than three hours. You will have all the education. I try to make it very, you know, succinct and to the point. And so that's one of our jobs, right? Education. Two, I need to teach my kids, right? So my goal is to be able to take that knowledge and disseminate it. And so teaching my kids in small bits and pieces when they're listen when they're ready to listen. If they're not ready to listen, then I need to work on my trust and my communication because if they're not trusting me, they're not going to listen to me. And the third thing is I need to find, you know, professional support. And so my job is to search the internets and, you know, look on the interwebs and find that anxiety and OCD therapist that specializes in treating whatever my child is going through and having that mama bear, papa bear attitude of like not giving up and really searching for that high quality support or realizing that that is not high quality clinical support. And I need to find someone else, right? So I need to have some discernment and I'm not going to be able to have discernment if I don't understand anxiety and OCD and anxiety and OCD treatment, which I help you with in my courses. So, and in the podcast as well, that's our job. And then the last role is for us to coach. Coaching is different than steering. Coaching is sitting in the passenger seat and guiding our children, right? To whatever they're willing to do. So we get our knowledge, we educate them, we connect with appropriate clinical, clinically sound services or resources, right? My resources are clinically sound or a local therapist and, or both. And then our job is to coach. And that means we're picking one goal and we're kind of systematically working through it. And I do my part. I'm pulling back my accommodations in whatever area that we've agreed on. And my child might be working on something else. That's it. I can't steer the ship for them. And I think that's where we get the fatigue and the losing ourselves is we kind of reach over and we grab the wheel and we want to steer it for our kids. We own the problem as if it's our own. And I know for me, and I know everyone's different. But for me, I have been able to say to myself, and some of it's philosophical, and it's really helped me to have a philosophical approach to this, is like my children have their own journey, and this is their life. It's not my life. And I have certain responsibilities and wishes for my kids, and, and, and that's my role, right? I need to make sure that they learn things and they have a, an appropriate environment, but ultimately, their story is bigger than me. I'm one piece of the puzzle and it's a huge puzzle or I'm one juicy intro chapter to their book, to their book. And sometimes I look at life, I get a little philosophical on this, but it does help me. I look at life like a book and um, there's different chapters. And sometimes we're like, you know, a main character and sometimes we're a supporting character. And in our children's books, we're not the full story. And I know sometimes as parents that can be painful or that can hurt us, or we might disagree with it. But honestly, if someone wants to write an autobiography, their parents would be a very important opening chapter. And then they move on. And then they're supporting, they're a supporting character in their story. And so we are, we are in the opening chapters of our children's books. And Think about your own parents and what characters do they play in your book? Are they still in your book? Are they a supporting character? Are they a main character? Mostly not, especially in Western cultures. 
you know, your main characters are your partner and your children, right? If you have a partner and your, and your, and your kids, and then, you know, their, their stories change. So, um, it doesn't mean that when a supporting character is not the main character, that they're not important because I think that that can sometimes be hard, you know, depending on your perspective or your, your need to have that relationship with your child. But it just means that your child is bigger than you. (laughs) Does that make sense? Their story and their journey is so much bigger than you. We are pouring cement right now. Yes, we are pouring foundation. And that is going to be really helpful in stabilizing them to build on top of that. But we're not going to move into the house. The house is theirs, right? We're just pouring the foundation. That helps me. And if it's not helpful to you, then, you know, it's not helpful and, and don't think this way. But it is helpful for me because I see myself more in a teaching, coaching role. When I, when I view life in that way, I say, oh. I get maybe 18 years with my kids to coach them on how to independently think, how to face their anxiety and OCD, how to be kind to other people, how to clean up after themselves, how to self-regulate, how to, um, you know, organize their, their, uh, responsibilities and with the intention that I'm raising an adult, not a child, I'm raising an adult. And so I want them to be able to do these things for themselves. And part of being able to do that is me stepping away. And so that is part of how I can lovingly detach is recognizing that I'm not, I'm not trying to fix a problem. I'm not swooping in and trying to get rid of a bad cold with their anxiety or OCD, or I'm not trying to just, you know, survive today and get them to do chores. Everything I do has the intention of, am I leading them to be a productive, independent, self-motivated adult? (laughs) And part of doing that is pulling back my involvement. Whenever I feel like I can, I'm pulling back, constantly pulling back, constantly adding things to their responsibilities, whether it is anxiety or OCD related or house related, constantly pulling back, even though I am wanting to swoop in and do things, for my kids because I have the time, I have the energy, and I, I don't want them to have to do too much. I, re- I remind myself that I'm not helping the adult version of them. If I keep doing everything for them, and if I keep owning their anxiety and OCD and spoon feeding them everything they need to do on their like skills or, you know, whatever, then they, then it's about me and not about them. And ultimately we want our kids to realize that this is about them and not about us. And so if they're doing things related to anxiety or OCD for us, or they're getting good grades for us, or they're scoring those goals for us, that's not going to stick long-term. That's not going to create an intrinsically motivated, independent adult. And so we have to get out of the way. And that's what I mean by lovingly detaching and not losing yourself. Because when you don't lose yourself, you help your child. Because then their journey is solely their journey and you're just there to support them. You're an ancillary support, (laughs) even though we may not feel that way. And so that's the mindset shift that I think is really, really helpful. And for me, I also have more of a philosophical, spiritual belief that, you know, my kids have a struggle and that I had struggles growing up and that, that no human being is, um, gifted with 
with a lack of struggles. Does that make sense? I just feel like part of life, whatever, you know, religious, spiritual, philosophical belief you have, I feel like part of the human condition is some struggling and it might be mental health. It might be medical. It might be situational, environmental, but everybody, no one's exempt from struggle. I've never met a person who hasn't had struggles in life, some more than others, right? But having that mentality of my child can't struggle, I don't want them to struggle. None of us want our kids to struggle, but also recognizing that that is their journey and their path. And where it goes ultimately is not really 100% in your control. It's like maybe 10% in your control because you're going to, you know, you're going to add that, pour that foundation and that's really helpful, but you're, like I said, one piece of the puzzle. And so that has helped me kind of just accept, accept my child's struggles. None of us want to accept our kids' struggles, but we don't get a choice, you know, because sometimes people will be like, I'm not going to accept this. You think I should accept that they can't touch anything in my house? Or you think I should accept that they can't hug their father? Or you think I should accept? I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't think you should accept that or that or that, but it's the reality And so you accepting it or not accepting it isn't going to change the objective reality of what is. I wish that my son would eat. I wish he didn't have ARFID, avoidant restrictive food intake disorder. I wish that not every meal was a struggle for him. I wish that my daughter could just enjoy, you know, special events without thinking her OCD is going to ruin it on some level or that we're going to ruin it. I wish that things were easier. I wish that my son could gain weight. I wish that he could make friends. I wish that he didn't feel like he was in the spotlight every time he saw a human being. I wish these things, but they're not the reality. So I could lose myself in wishing, 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 or I can accept that this is, I can accept that this is who my son is right now. And I can accept that this is, this is my daughter and my daughter's challenges. And these are, you know, they have great things going on as well. And when I do that, when I accept their struggle and I accept their journey and I accept my pretty small role in that long term. And I accept that my job is to coach and my job is to love and my job is to support. That does help me pull back a little bit and let my child own their journey. And what does that look like? It looks like um, being intentional with my parenting. And so we might have an anxiety or OCD goal. And that might be the goal we're working on. Um, and it, it, you might, if your child has a therapist, that might be the goal that you know that the therapist is working on. And you're just there to support that in whatever way you can, because ultimately we want them to develop independent skills. And so if your child's not willing to talk about anxiety or CD, then your goal is just, I'm going to work on communication. I'm going to work on educating myself, right? But I'm not going to overwhelm myself with, you know, sleepless nights. And what am I going to do? And, you know, I mean, I know that's hard to control, but I'm going to pull myself back and say, what's my goal right now? That's how I survived when my husband died. It was like one foot in front of the other. Like, oh my gosh, what's my goal right now? Well, today I just need to get up and take a shower and get the kids to school. That's my only goal today. Like when I get overwhelmed, I easily, I go back to like, what am I, what do I need to do today? Or what is my goal? And I think that tunnel vision can be really helpful. So it doesn't mean that you're not working on things. It just means that you're only focusing on one foot in front of the other. And that's important. So that's the mindset shift and finding yourself. When we went, go back to the list that we talked about the the first half of this podcast, where have you lost yourself? And so 
do you need to start with physically just being aware of your body? Do you need to like pay attention to when you're feeling stressed or pay attention to when you're not eating like basic, basic skills or, or, and, or what are you interested in? Finding a balance, finding some happiness in your day that is about you. That's not defining you attached to your parenting is so important because we're modeling that for our kids. And so if we are consumed with our, our kids and our kids will pick up on that and they don't see us having any anchors outside of them or any life or interests outside of them, we're really not modeling that identity, that self-love, that, um, that you are separate from them. And that puts a lot of pressure on them. So even if you don't want to do it for you, do it for your child because it puts pressure on them. And so what are you interested in? Do you need to find something that you can spend a little bit of time with every day or, you know, once a week? And that was hard. I mean, for me, I didn't have any interests. So um, I get everything I'm talking about, I have struggled with. And and I'm, I'm not really a hobby person. <laughs> but I did one, I forced myself to watch Netflix every night. And I know for some of you, that may not be a problem at all. You're like, uh, okay, done and done Um, but for me, I felt like I couldn't give myself any free time. If I had free time that I wasn't focusing on my husband or my kids when he was alive, then I need to be working on my online stuff. And so if I wasn't doing something for someone else, then I was doing stuff quote unquote for me by working. Well, that's not for me. That's not really, you know, enjoyment. And so I came up with this rule when my husband died that after uh, four o'clock, I would not work on anything and I would start watching TV like around, you know, like in the evening. And it actually wound up turning into kind of a bonding thing with my daughter because she started to watch shows with me that we both enjoyed. And I won't watch a show that I don't enjoy because it's not about bonding time with her. It's relaxing time. And it just organically happened that she wanted to watch shows that I was into and it became like a nice bonus that she was with me, but it is, it is just enjoyment in general. So finding what you're interested in, and it doesn't have to be connected to your, your child. Um, in fact, that's the whole purpose of this podcast is for it to be something different. Uh, I do enjoy watching TV with my daughter that has become kind of a bonding thing, but I, I have a lot of shows I watch by myself. But deeper than that, you know, is, are, do you have any other interests that you can kind of foster in any small way? And so traveling became a huge passion for me when my husband died. And um, when we are planning it, so we travel a ton now, that is, that's my main hobby. And when I say it's a hobby, like we'll travel somewhere. And I know a lot of people aren't fortunate enough to travel. So I, I, I totally get that that is a, um, that's a gift and that not everyone is, has the ability to have such a gift. So I totally value that. Um, but just using myself as an example for travel, like if we're going somewhere and normally it's international travel, I will study the history. We're going to Spain. And, um, actually by the time you listen to this, we have already come back from Spain and my husband's, uh, my husband's sister lives in Spain. Now she moved to Spain. And so we're going to go visit her, but like I'm watching a whole lecture series on Spain and I'm learning all about the history. So I will like dive into the history of a place that I'm going to so that 
the visit is like, it comes alive for me. So that's actually literally a hobby for me because I will study that culture nonstop until we go there. And, um, and then I get to like, see the, the different places and it means it has more meaning to me. So that's an example. And my kids know, okay, travel is mom's thing. She loves traveling. They are starting to actually get really into the traveling too, but they know like that's, that's a thing that, that I'm interested in. So what's your interest? The next thing is like, what relationships need some watering? Where do you want to water your relationships? Not the places where you feel like you have to, but who is someone that you're like, I love this person and I haven't been able to spend enough time with them or I let that friendship go. So it might be your partner. It may not be. It might be a friend that you haven't reached out to in a while because maybe they don't get anxiety or OCD. And so you feel like, you know what, if they don't get anxiety or OCD, then I don't want to talk to them at all. And you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like maybe they are light and funny and um, enjoyable to spend time with. And you had adventures with them. And because they make some comments about your kids, you don't want to hang out with them. Well, you can set a boundary and just be like, let's just keep it light. I don't want to talk about my kids or redirect the conversation and, and go and rekindle that friendship. That could be really important. So ask yourself what, let me just pick one one relationship that I'm going to rekindle or, or rewater. Uh, maybe it's your partner. Maybe you guys need to have time where you go out. Maybe, you know, with my husband, because we didn't have any friends or family here, we would have Natasha and Jimmy days. And so once a month, we would have a Natasha and Jimmy date. And both of us would take off in the middle of the day. And we would go to like our, fav- our favorite sushi place. And we'd sometimes go watch a movie and we'd go like just shopping and we'd spend time together and then we'd go pick the kids up. And it was like, we couldn't do that um, outside of the school hours because we had no one to babysit and our kids were younger. Uh, but it was a great, we, we found a way to carve out time to be together. And that was a really connecting thing for us to do. So what relationships do you want to water and how can you do it? So that's another thing to ask yourself. And then the last thing is, you know, is there anything you want to shift in your health or diet? Because when you're physiologically in a better place, you are going to be less fatigued, less overwhelmed. Um, the stress hormones are going to kind of move through your body in a more productive way. And you're going to be more of an anchor for your child. And so you don't want to do all of these at once. This can seem overwhelming in, in and of itself. You're like, oh my gosh, now I need to focus on myself. Thanks, Natasha. <laughs> you just added to my to-do list. Don't make this a to-do list. Just pick one or two things that I'm talking about that resonate with you and say, you know what? I'm going to shift that. It might be, I'm going to just shift my mindset. I didn't realize, you know, I am just the introduction chapters of my children's main story. Or you might just be like, you know, that one friend, I loved her and I haven't reached out to her in forever. Or, you know, I have this like crazy fun hobby that is just sitting there collecting dust and it's not selfish for me to do this a couple of times a week. I'm going to do this whatever it is, but, um, or your health and diet. We're just going to talk about that. Um, and I, I guess the reason why I just went into that whole side note is I don't want, I feel like with health and diet, that could be a burden for some of us. And so it can feel like, Oh, I've got to take care of myself for some of you. It won't. Maybe you're like, yes, I always feel good when I'm healthy or when I, you know, I'm watching my diet, I want to go back to that, but find what resonates with you. I actually found that, I mean, exercise is not my thing. I do not really like exercise and I don't like cooking. And so I have found ways to kind of shortcut that, you know, like places that 
prepare meals and it's worth every dollar because I don't like cooking. And so I have taken care of myself in certain ways. When my husband died, I was like, okay, there's a lot on my plate. And I'm sure for those of you that um, not only have maybe lost a partner, but you know, you're a single parent through divorce or some other, you know, a choice, whatever situation, but when you're flying solo, it could be even more exhausting and you have even less time for yourself and you, you really lose yourself with all your other responsibilities. And when my husband passed away, I was like, okay, here's my plate. I need to get half of the stuff off my plate in whatever way I can. And so I did learn how to kind of outsource a lot of stuff. And luckily I was, you know, financially I was able to afford it, which actually really helped because I was like, I don't like cooking. Um, there are things on my plate that I can't do. I just, I'm one person now. And so that helped with the health aspect of things or the diet aspect of things, but just getting around and moving can be helpful. So if you go for a walk, does that make you feel better? Like don't do what doesn't make you feel good. I walked a lot when my husband died. I walked in the desert. I don't do that as much anymore because I feel like my, I'm not being pulled into the desert, like emotionally, like I was really like emotionally pulled into walking. It was very therapeutic for me at the time. Now I just do like a 20 minute video on YouTube. (laughs) My favorite YouTuber for exercise is Paula B. Maybe you have heard of her. Maybe you haven't. She's probably, you know, not like a household name, but Paula, it's spelled actually P-A-H-L-A, Paula, and then literally the the B, Paula B. She does um, like 20 minute exercise videos that are like for menopausal women, which speaks to me. And I have never been able to exercise and I have a really bad back and my muscles hurt sometimes. And I know uh, my doctor was like, uh, you should go physical therapy for your back. And then physical therapist is like, you just really need to exercise. Like really, if you keep moving around, it will help your back. And I'm like, no, it won't. I have major back issues. And I started to do her 20 minute videos and, um, and she talks the whole time through them. And, you know, she talks about mindset, which I do appreciate And they are so moderate that it doesn't bother me. And I hate, with a capital H, hate exercise. And any exercise I've ever tried to keep as a habit, I have never continued because eventually I'm like, oh, I just don't want to do this anymore. And I have been on a lot of binges. Like I get like obsessed with something for a period of time and then it doesn't stick. I was doing like the 5 a.m. miracle morning. I don't know if you've ever heard of that book. So I'd wake up at 5 a.m. and I'd do all these things according to the book, you know, like exercise and meditate and come up with a quote for the day and, you know, journal. And I mean, that didn't last. I mean, I think I actually did that pretty, I think I did it for like eight months, but I was exhausted because it was like, I don't want to get up at five in the morning before everybody else. That was tiring me out. But I have kept up with Paula B. So check out her videos if you are like me and you're like not crazy about exercising, but um, I could do 20 minutes a day. I actually wind up not doing it every day. I do it probably maybe five times a week. And that's amazing. Five times a week is amazing for me. So anyway, not to go down some weird tangent, but I do hope that you find something inspiring in this episode where you're like, you know what? That one aspect that she talked about, I feel like, I could do something. I feel like I relate to that because you don't want to lose yourself because at the end of the day, your book is also bigger than your children's. Now, yes, that's a much, it's a bigger chapter for you, you know, your children's lives and their childhood and you know, you, you're parenting and that goes on and on, but it's not, it's not the only chapter in your book and your kids will hopefully grow up and they'll move out and you will still be there. And will you have lost yourself 
or are you still anchored somewhere? Find yourself, find yourself in whatever way you can and don't lose yourself again because ultimately, now this is going to sound a little depressing, but it's true and it does help me and it's not depressing, but it can sound depressing. Ultimately, the only person you have in your life is you. You have that epiphany when someone really close to you dies. So when, if you have a partner or a child that dies, God forbid, you get this, you know, I feel like you get it even more um, than you do. Like if a, a parent or grandparent or someone, a friend dies, you get it when it's like your left hand to your right. And then they die. You realize that everybody around you can go in whatever way through death, through, you know, a separation, through divorce, through a breakup of a, a friendship, whatever your kids will leave. They will have their own families. And the only thing that you have that never, ever will leave you is yourself. And developing that relationship with yourself is huge because you'll have a happier life when you're happy within yourself and you have your own intimate relationship with you. Um, everything else gets better, tastes better, sees better, sees better. That sounds no, makes no sense. Uh, feels better when the baseline is between you and you, like you are solid with you. You take care of you. You talk to yourself. <laughs> you don't have to do that, but I do. You know, you have a, an active relationship with yourself that is separate from everything else around you. Something to think about. I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I do have extra support on this. If you want to take my self-care series starting in a few weeks, you can register for free at atparentingsurvivalseries.com. I will talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.